Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your hosts. Andy, and I'll be talking about Mark Hazard Merck, number seven. And I'm Steven with Kickers, Inc., number seven. New Universe started in 1986 as an imprint for Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastical approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably or cinematically realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986. Now, as the stories progress to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We also have a recap, recent recap episode that covers the first six issues of each series. Uh, if you'd like to see more from us, you can... Join us at our website, kickersinc.com, where you can also still take the Super Sleuth Summer Sweepstakes Contest. Um, we wanted to give a shout out to our friends over at the Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe fans, who are always um, posting interesting things about the new universe, sometimes a little spoilery, but uh, they've been great supporters of the show. And uh, we ourselves wanted her on uh, Twitter at Kickers Inc., <laughs> where you can get uh, little uh, promos of the upcoming episodes. Yes, the Twitter is worth a follow. And I can say that because I'm not the one who makes the posts. <laughs> <laughs> blame it's the other guy. Effort, but <laughs> I share the blame as well as the credit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So this week I'll be covering Mark Hazard Merck. Uh, Mark Hazard, or the, the comic is about combat veteran Mark Hazard. He's been a soldier of fortune since Vietnam, but has lost his relationship with his son and ex-wife. He tries to put his family back together and reevaluate his life while dealing with the real world repercussions from his decades of fighting. Uh, this week, the solicitation was... Uh, Mark Hazard is sent by the U.S. government to find or destroy the top secret jet fighter that crashed in international waters. Underwater mission, maybe? <laughs> I added that part. Uh, if indeed that is what happened, a tie-in with Kickers, Inc. 7, written by Adam Blaustein, penciled by Alan Kupperberg. Um, but yeah, as is often the case, uh, sadly, we didn't get the kickers Mark Hazard crossover that I'm totally game for. <laughs> that would have been awesome. And it kind of reminds me of like Batman uh, toys when they have like figures where he's got like a flying suit or underwater. Oh, Arctic suit. Batman. And yeah, so underwater Batman. Arctic Merc. <laughs> would have been awesome. Yeah. Um. Sad. I would have taken like an aquatic kickers team or something too, you know. Just mm. <clears throat> interesting. This week I'll be covering Kickers Inc. Top professional football player Jack Magnaconti gains real superpowers, possibly from his shifty scientist brother, but probably from the white event. When his brother is killed, he bands together with his wife and teammates to form Kickers Inc a last resort answer to people who need help, as well as a possible tax scam. <laughs> it was just supposed to buzz. 
This week, Kickers Inc. number seven. Yes, a top secret U.S. jet fighter goes down in international waters, and the government asks Kickers Inc. to rescue the pilots. A tie in with Mark Hazard, Merck number seven. No, unfortunately. Written by, interestingly, both were written by Adam Blaustein and penciled by Alan Kupperberg. Blaustein was, I, as I figured out, the editor for like five minutes on Merck. There was the original. James Owsley, four or five issues, and then Blaustein was there, and then Larry Hama took over. So sadly, whatever his his uh, great two parter crossover didn't come to fruition. But yeah, maybe there's telling. a maybe there's a script in a uh, file cabinet lost somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say if Kupperberg has any of those pages floating around in his closet, maybe we can a little cash it. Uh, convince him to uh, let them see the light of day. Now I'm curious, but anyway. One can oh. dream. Let's see. Oh, oh, I, you know, I was going to... Sh- no, never mind. That's for later. All right. <laughs> Shall we start uh, meandering over to Mark Hazard Merck then? Let's hit it. All right. Let's Merck it up. <laughs> you got Merked. We never did make our Grand Theft Auto. You got Merck's sound effect. Oh, man. Drop the ball on that one. <laughs> um, Mark Hazard 7, uh, cover date May 1987, though it actually came out February 3rd, 1987. So we've made it to February. Um, previously, Mark Hazard had a falling out with his previous Merck team, shot up treetops legs and yelled at some nazis uh so you know kind of divorced from his original merc crew uh and uh has not yet patched anything up with his wife and kid uh but maybe they tolerate each other uh so our, our cover of merc 7 uh made us think he was doing this the spy plane international plane thing it does have a plane on the cover it's just him with a gun waving to a guy in a plane while, while there's a wreckage and uh, a bunch of dead people in the foreground a little bit. Um, so well, we're they're, they're blue. So I guess I thought that was the ocean from a distance. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the aquatic mer people that Merck slaughtered. No mer people. Uh, cover credit MZ and BM. Though I have to say, I don't know who that is. Oh, you know, Someone had posted, I think, on the Facebook crew that Mike Zek did several covers. And so maybe he did um, the one or two previous ones that we didn't have credits for. But Oh, yeah. Very well could be. All right. Um, so this issue is titled Incentives. Somewhere in Central America, just two driving days from Harlingen, Texas. Okay. That's oddly specific. <laughs> Our story is Doug Murray again. I think he carries us through, uh, through the rest of our Merck issues. Uh, art, as in all of the art, done by Val Merrick, uh, co-creator of Howard the Duck. Well, so at least that's, that's what I got. I thought it was that's Val- a little earlier than I expected, but I know he'd been around for a while. I, I always associate him with uh, Conan for some reason. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, when I looked it up, I thought it was Val Maverick, and then you just get nothing but Top Gun hits. It's a Val <laughs> Kilmer and then Maverick, the character. But 
<laughs> so I thought it was a I thought it was a Jack Fury at first, but no, real person. Just the V, the Y looked like a V. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So our opening splash page is a big action scene. There's a bunch of trucks and people. Looks like they're kind of driving through a little ravine uh, with a whole bunch of other uh, people on the outside firing at them. That, blowing up so whoever's in the column of vehicles is all getting slaughtered here basically uh we don't really know who they are in the opening um and then the next page we have mark hazard so he's hanging out in um well central america right mexico honduras i don't know uh, yeah it's weirdly like i mean it's i don't know why why like they, they don't just name a specific country. I, I'm pretty sure they were. I it would have been a very limited number of things that are. Uh, it would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, if you can put McDonald's right in there, <laughs> I think you could put, you know, Panama or something. Um, but yeah, so uh, Mark Hazard's hanging out and uh, apparently he's training a bunch of mercenaries freedom fighters rebels you know we don't really get into the politics of what's going on with this group other than that he's training them um and then we get introduced to a bunch of new characters in this uh, including commander which is the only name we get for commander um and sergeant major um okay not not the most exciting of names um <laughs> commander has Ooh, an quick, give me some military sounding names <laughs> Sergeant Major, huh? jack reddington i don't know <laughs> the um yeah Sa- sergeant major is like a specifically british uh thing i thought I yeah know. he's got kind of like a saucy beret which is make me think european mm-hmm. but he doesn't have like a, a, a cartoonish accent in the writing or anything like that but yeah so but the one guy's got an eye patch which is his distinguishing feature and he's the commander so that's all we really know um but yeah they're all just kind of hanging out and so so they were the victors they were the ones that set the ambush um and the good guys yeah there's an interesting scene where um you know they they've one and you know the survivors have surrendered and mark hazard goes and the prisoners and then you just hear gunshots like boom 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 and he kind of grimaces but then that's it like you just you know they, they cut to later on they're sitting by the campfire you know chatting basically um so mark hazard's famous morals you know like that's something that would bother him um but we don't get too much follow-up on that He's a killer, a killer. <laughs> oh, I guess that only plays in uh, Austria. Okay, whatever, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to go there with the, you know, it's brown people killing brown people thing. So Mark Hazard doesn't care, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Two hours drive north and he'd care. <laughs> Or I guess I went there. Okay. But, but anyway, so, so Mark implies that their training is kind of done and they're going to head out. Um, the commander makes a joke that Sergeant Major is married to Mrs. Peel. So I'm guessing that means he's Sergeant Major Peel, P E E L. And I think that is 
uh, a character from the Avengers, like the yeah, yeah, not the Marvel Comics Avengers, but the spies, the Avengers. Yeah, Diana Rigg as Mrs. Peel is uh, quite a uh, a femme fatale from actually the '60s. So yeah, so it's a little bit of a dated joke then at the time. Yeah, so now is definitely a struggle. But I looked it up. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, so that's why. Yeah, the I just thought it was a reference to him being British, but uh, and I'm not sure if the commander is sort of establishing this long, this deeper connection between him and Mark and these other guys. I guess. Yeah. Well. Then, like, just oh, here's the guy who paid the bill this week. See ya. So. They de- Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right? It's just a, a little bit of friendliness there. Not just uh, not just a hire. Maybe. All right. Um, so we cut back to, to the future and uh, Mark Hazard's in the Smithsonian uh, Air and Space Museum with his son. Um, you get to see the like Wright Brothers-y looking planes and moon capsules and such. Um, and you know, before we get much interaction there, uh, he gets paged over the speaker that uh, somebody wants to talk to him. So... Uh, he, of course, answers and finds a maybe Japanese man. I thought Asian. It, uh, it's like if you had a Leonard Nimoy um, and a Asian. Um, yeah, um, I don't it's, know. It's a, but basically, like he doesn't really introduce himself, so we don't get much from this character other than you know I represent a former employer of yours. So that's all we get. Um, and so basically, the commander, you know, who we just learned they're buddies with, um, has been captured by government troops, and they have him in Puno del Diablo, the fist of the devil, which is said to be escape proof. Of course. Oh wow. This, this is already sounding like a Chuck Norris movie. So, <laughs> P-O-W or M-I-A. It's, or, uh, um, it's a little cloak and dagger, I know. I mean, uh, I'm a little surprised he has to go through these, this rigmarole to, just to get his next mission. I mean, before he just sort of pick up the phone. Oh, yeah, me, be over here and we'll uh, pick you up and send you to another country. Okay, sure. Count me in. yeah. Um, but then he references uh, Graham Rudman, which I had to look up too. Um, but it's like the 1985 balanced budget bill, <laughs> right? So Is like governments. That was? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was one of those like um, Iran Contra. Uh, it was like various rules set up to keep them from funding, well, the Contras and like. Uh, you know, so they started routing money around through other countries and all that. And so uh, I didn't think it was just balanced budget. There, there was like, there's certainly like some sort of uh, <clears throat> supposed congressional oversight of some, you know, uh, secret military or intelligent operations. But yeah, either way, I mean, that kind of outs this guy as working for the government then, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Right, so he says, you know, it affects us too, whatever. Uh, we can supply transport and equipment 
but there's no money, not a cent. We can't pay you. <laughs> uh, and Mark says, he's a friend. You can owe me, but there's one thing I do want. And then the, the guy says, are you serious? So like, I think that's supposed to be in reference to what he wants. Like, we don't know what he asked for, but to me, it's like, you're really going to take this job, even though we're not going to pay you anything. <laughs> I'm like you're insane. I thought you would say no and run screaming. <laughs> I was ready to threaten you or something like that guy two two issues ago, but really you'll just do it. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't need any other incentives. <laughs> oh, looks like we are. So yeah, Mark takes the deal because of friendship. Um, and so he tells his kid that he can't go or they can't, uh, keep going through the museum with him. Um, I guess his special request was a helicopter ride. So he like takes the kid back to mom. Uh, we don't really get much interaction with Mark and his ex-wife, which is disappointing, but, uh, that's okay. And then, uh, Mark Hazard comes and we meet another new character. So we're getting kind of like a whole new squad of people here. Uh, and this is Ritter. Um, think like Tony Stark of flying vehicles, I guess is kind of the, the vibe I get from him. He's definitely like a commercially successful guy. He's like in a park Ave- upscale Park Avenue address and he's got a secretary and a nice shiny new helicopter. So yeah. yeah. So he comes off as just kind of like a like an old friend and thrill seeker, perhaps. So uh, Mark tries to get him to go and help rescue the commander. I really wish he had a name, but he's the commander. And, um, you know, there's got like a state-of-the-art helicopter that they're kind of trying out. And, you know, hey, bring it. You, we need a pilot. Uh, too bad you shot up your old pilot. Um, <laughs> yeah, friendship means a lot to you, doesn't it, Mark? Except when it you does. Shoot why he shot him in the shins uh but yeah so uh ritter the pilot is not having it uh where is the incentive for me to go right that's the theme of the day is incentive um he says really man think about it what's in it for me i'm a mercenary not a charity mark says i got it and i'll remember it friend so yeah friend friend versus incentive (laughs) um but as they part and Ritter goes back into his office, uh, the guy who set up the whole mission with Mark Hazard is waiting for Ritter. He says, I think I have a little proposition you might find of some interest. So this guy gets around. Um, hopefully not up to anything shady. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Mark is doing the rounds, looking for somebody to help him out. He goes to Carnegie Hall. <clears throat> Why not go to Carnegie Hall, I guess. And uh, Mal is there checking out piano, a pian- a pianist. Right. What yeah, I mean, they established that, but it's like, it didn't establish that's all he did, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he, he basically just walks into the theater asking if Mal wants to help him. Um, and he, said, you know, he mentions how Treetop's tree still in the hospital. And Mark says, come on, Mel, you know why I had to shoot Treetop. And I really need, like, what? what? I don't really know why he had to shoot Treetop, to be honest. 
we read that pretty closely and we were mystified. I mean, Treetop was acting pretty weird uh, in the previous issue where he was very much willing to see out his contract, even when, you know, it was starting to become pretty clear that they were bodyguarding for like a Nazi wannabe <laughs> uh, politician, but yeah, they were probably was... friends enough that they, that Treetop wasn't going to shoot Mark. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that so that conversation doesn't go well. Uh, Mel's not having any of it, and they, they get them both kicked out of the show. Um, so then we get some more characters. So, so a lot of new people. Um, so, Let yeah, me just ahead. point out that like I don't know where Ma- where Mark's living here because at the end of the last issue, he was going to stay with Priestess, and. Um, now he's like, hey, Sergeant Major and Doc, thanks for coming. So you, I'm thinking it's his place, but it's because it's like got guns on the on the walls. Right. So I guess he's back at his place, even though that was like the shared space with his Merc buddies. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a little, not to spoil think... anything, but Priestess doesn't show up at all in this issue. So I'm not sure what was going on. With, with, uh, yeah, I mean, it probably would have made sense since they we ended last issue with her, like just briefly, to have followed up with her. But <laughs> where did Priestess go? Don't know. Doug, you were the writer. Where did Priestess go? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, but we don't need Priestess. We got Sergeant Major and Doc, um, oh, or maybe Doc. a couple. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. It's it's confusing. uh, Very attractive. So she does kind of fit in for a priestess, but I don't know. Yeah. But she's a doc. Also without a name. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so so Mark gives his pitch that we got to rescue the commander. I'm really tired of saying the commander. Um, and these two actually agree, right? So, you know, so Sergeant Major helped train these gorillas, so he wants to help save them. And Doc just likes helping people, apparently. So she's in, uh, money or no. Um, so yeah, the, we got our mission. We've, we've done our uh, gathering up the team kind of scenes. And so we've got the, you know, Ritter is out, uh, but maybe the behind the scenes guy convinced him to do something and then uh sergeant major doc and mark hazard are going to storm the impregnable uh prison i guess puno del what was it <laughs> diablo something and... oh yeah puna de, de, del diablo yeah. it's always diablo right sure sure the one spanish word that we all get <laughs> diablo whether it's salsa at Taco Bell or a uh, uh, vague Central American prison. But anyway, so we're there. Like we just cut straight from the telephone to jungle in Central America. Three people, maybe with a little bit of backup or. Uh, hey, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. He's like, thanks a lot. I'll contact the company and set up our transport. Company. Yeah. Is- Used to be like code for CIA all the time. I don't, I don't. I don't know that that's what that is, though. But 
may also just be the airline company he's talking about. So I'm right. Or I mean, they, they kind of have vaguely alluded that he has like a mercenary business, but that was run by treetop kind of. So it seemed like it was like above board and legit. And so, yeah, all this sort of, now I'm a secret guy stuff seems unnecessary, but okay. Whatever. Yeah. Moving I, along. Let's get back to the phone out to tell I don't know what's going on, but there's going to be some shooting at people, right? <laughs> That's what we came here for. I guess. <laughs> I came here for him harassing his uh, ex-wife's new husband personally, but I'll settle for the killing. <laughs> so, so they're in the jungle scouting out the place. Um, and basically, you know, either them or the rebels, I think like the, the, you know, the gorillas that they were training are there backing him up. So they like fire some rocket shots to kind of break open the doors of the place and cause some chaos. Uh, Mark Hazard, uh, seasoned military man is dual wielding Uzis in one hand without any particular aiming. <laughs> uh, maybe Doc's going in with just a pistol too, which is a little iffy for such a mission. Um, I, what I most like about Doc is that she has like a medical uh, name and uh, apparently training, and yet she's uh, running around with a gun as uh, shooting people as much as anyone else. Hey, well, if you're going to be patching up the bullet holes, you got to be right there where they're getting made, right? Right. <laughs> that seems like a safe thing to do. It'd be funnier if she had like a white helmet with like a cross on it. And she's like dashing in all the time. Don't shoot me. I'm just here for medical support. Right. But then when they turn around, knife's him in the back or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Once again, we are dangerously close to writing a better comic. Um, but anyway, so they kind of barge in through the whole, um, I mean, this is all very Rambo style, kind of you know, Rambo 2 style, just throwing yourself in there, shooting everybody like Old West, all the bad guys get shot, none of the good guys get shot. Um, you know, they storm the building. Um, I, I kept a kill count, but I won't go through it just yet. I'll just save it to the end. Um, so a lot of action scenes, which basically amount to Mark Hazard and Doc see bad guys or, well, government soldiers, not really bad guys. And then they shoot them before they can really even threaten Mark Hazard at all. Uh, but, but lots of lots of action, lots of shooting. They make it to the commander. Again, you know, with all that's going in outside, the, uh, <laughs> the guy defending the hostage decides to... Uh, you know, call him a gringo pig and start talking instead of open fire right away. So it just gives Mark Hazard time to, to blow him down. Um, yeah, nobody really puts up much of a fight. Hmm. But so it is. Uh, they find the, the, the prison is huge and like looks like solid concrete. So maybe they were sort of depending on that being the uh, enough of a deterrent. Yeah. Because, I mean, in 1987, nobody has explosives to break walls. I mean, I mean, we were doing that in the medieval days, right? Breaking down walls. Yeah, that's true. But maybe they were like, well, we heard Mal wasn't talking to, to anyone, Mark Hazard anymore. So if he's not going to be there to blow things up, then who, how is he going to be any explosives? Yeah, we got some, like, nameless B-team of explosive experts, you know? Where's our buddy? 
Mark should have like a little tear in his eyes. He's watching things explode. Like, now <laughs> what did I do? Where yeah. did it all go wrong? So he added he added a nice spice to the action scenes in the early Mark Hazard issues where you know Mark Hazard was kind of getting the mission done and Mal was support in like killing people with explosions, distracting people with explosions, and then just you know improvising fun explosions. So kind of added a little nice layer to it that we're missing here a bit um but yeah so the the commander is found says will he make it doc yes mark hazard i will live to free my people (laughs) whoever they are (laughs) Uh, so they take him out on a stretcher sort of mid-combat uh hazard calls in an airstrike maybe uh big explosion yeah so I don't, I don't know where all the support's coming from personally, but you know things are happening. Uh, they get out, um, you know, kind of escape, but they've got a long walk back to wherever they get extracted to, I guess. Um, and so Mark Hazard's trying to plan how to get out of there. Um, they end up needing to travel through the previous location in the beginning of the comic where they got ambushed in the first place. Uh, Mark is communicating with someone named Esteban, presumably one of the gorillas. That we, uh, we never met him before. Um, yeah, they, it fits the guy who is um, on page th- top of page three, I think. Yeah, I went back and looked, but he doesn't have any lines. He does. All he says is, all is under control, under control my commander. The pigs have surrendered. Right. And maybe he's like at the campfire later, kind of sulking on the right. Yeah. That's just kind of a long shot. He's not named, and it's just a description. Could, you know, it's, it's, could be a couple other guys, I guess. But right. He has a mustache. <laughs> that, is, that is, that's something. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, with, with the, the briefest of flashbacks back to, you know, help establish that Doc and Mark Hazard know each other. We see like one panel of them together, presumably in Vietnam because of the M16 and the helmet, I guess. Um, yeah, this, this mainly reminded me of that. There was like a Vietnamese girl in Rambo 2 that like, Rambo that saved Rambo and immediately got killed. <clears throat> yeah. But that's kind of what Doc reminds me of in this picture. I don't know. Except she did not get killed. Shh. No spoilers. Oh, right. Sorry. I don't think so, right? <laughs> well, not in the flashback, certainly. Yeah. On the flashback, yeah. So um, so they make it to the site where they're supposed to meet Esteban, who calls him in. Um, you know, they're walking. Uh, Come on in, amigo. We are waiting. <laughs> we're supposedly in the clear but then explosions start happening and now mark hazard and the commander and such are surrounded um and it was a double cross <laughs> from a character that we never set up in the first place <laughs> okay Esteban, how unexpected <laughs> we were so close we've been working together all these years you were the guy in the back of the panel with a mustache who said something once. <laughs> um, so yeah, Esteban is kind of funny. Um, 
Esteban, exclamation point. As you see, all is as it should be. My people have always ruled this land and we always will. But which, which people? <laughs> I don't know. What? Is, is he working for the government? Like, has the gorillas turned on Mark Hazard? I don't know what's going on. Except Esteban what? is, I guess, bad. And he sometimes refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like a total moron because he walks straight up to Mark Hazard. <laughs> Well, no one is disarmed, right? Like they didn't, no, put your hands up, drop your weapons. You know, uh, Sergeant Major's standing there with his gun in his hand, but Esteban walks right up to them. <laughs> so, sorry, Esteban, your, your plan makes no sense and is uh, not very bright. Well, I mean, we didn't expect too much from him, but... Uh... You didn't expect too much from Esteban? <laughs> So, yeah, basically all, you know, the commander yells at him and he turns and Mark Hazard grabs his gun, kind of like bends him over like a backbreaker, kind of knee on the spine move. I don't think he kills him, but he definitely injures him. Um, I put him in the kill count. Okay. Did you? I didn't. Um, maybe he can't use his legs anymore, but it doesn't seem fatal. Oh, okay. But who knows? You know, Sergeant Major drops a smoke grenade. Um, they're still kind of pinned down by a whole army of whoever. Um, and then a big shiny airplane, the one from the cover, swoops in. Uh, so an A-10 Warthog. Uh, so kind of a fun ship. It looks a little bit like the Rattler in G.I. Joe, uh, but not quite. <laughs> um, and it's kind of a famous one. and you know in military circles it's sort of like a fun plane you know that people kind of casually like because it has like a ridiculously fast firing machine gun on the front so mm. um so yeah it basically just mows down all the people all the whoever it was that was menacing uh mark hazard and the commander and um it turns out it's ritter <laughs> ritter ritter what do you think of that you bloody merc Ritter. Okay, stop clowning around. Finish the bozos off. You know, I think this is, is the first time we've uh, referred to Mark Hazard as Merc. Well, he called him you bloody Merc. Oh. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> it's, like it's funny someone... because just the way... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if people start uh, referring to uh, Cyforce by name next, I'll know something went... Oh, I want you good. guys to use the titles in the names and the names in the titles all the time now. That would be a really brand dramatic. identity. That would be a really dramatic shift in Cyforce if that happened. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like, it doesn't really mean anything, but I think it's funny because we get a lot of word balloons from Ritter in the airplane. So it's kind of like in my head, it looks like he's flying by and they're like talking to each other, like like he can hear him even though he's in the airplane. Um, though Mark does have a radio, I guess. So not quite as fun as that. But yeah, we get a couple scenes of the planes swooping in and out and killing some more unidentified locals. <laughs> um, it says and, government soldiers a page earlier. So, okay. Yeah. So. But yeah, we don't. We, I don't. We don't really know. Bad government, here. not the good government. <laughs> yeah. Like us. Uh, okay. 
right? So the day is saved as long as you're not a fan of whatever government that is. Um, <laughs> the commander's okay. He says, you know, when we win, you'll be paid and paid well. Um, for some reason, Doc decides to stay with the commander, but we don't really know anything about Doc to know why she would want to do that. Um, but there goes Doc. Maybe she's not going to be a recurring character. So make room for Priestess to come back. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> that might be too much foresight. <laughs> it's like you can only got room for one female in this comic book. You can, uh, someone can come in, but someone else is going to have to leave. I don't know, man. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, Mark Hazard, Mark could probably use some more female supporting characters, but I'm just. I mean, Joan, his ex-wife is nice, but, you know, uh, Priestess and Doc at least have, like, action um, potential, so. Right. Could could it kill us to have a love interest or something, right? (laughs) Something going on. We don't get a lot of Mark's life anymore. But anyway, there's there's one page left, really, uh, before we get to the Chips Ahoy cookie maze. and that's Ritter gets out of the plane, you know, kind of with the bottle in his hand, but feeling excited like he saved the day. Uh, Mark Hazard, not so excited, uh, punches him out and says, you sorry excuse for a human being. Do you know how many good men died so you could showboat with that A-10? Why couldn't you come when this started, when we needed you? Uh, but I don't know how many good men died because I don't remember seeing any of the gorillas that were on Mark's team actually die, but yeah, that was off panel. Mm. Um, and he says, Yeah, that showboat was the only reason I came at all. I, w- I wanted to fly one of those suckers since I've ever since I mustered out, it made it worth my while to come, you know, instead of money. This is, this is, come on, Mark, incentives, man, incentives. So, right, not friendship, incentives. So, the battle of friends versus incentives uh, comes to a close. <laughs> but I guess that was, it took me a while to kind of have it register, but I guess that was the government agent who got this started, convinced Ritter to come by uh, by letting him fly the plane. So Yeah, it was like a kind of plane that he hadn't had a chance to before. So he was like, oh, well. Yeah, I'd love to at least try out this new thing that you developed since I left the service, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I guess at this point, I'm kind of hoping that at least Ritter becomes a recurring character because we at least have some development from him, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, Ritter, Sergeant Major, Doc, I mean, I'd be happy if Mark went around sort of putting together like this army of you know not super detailed but at least in you know mildly interesting characters um, one's a lady one has <laughs> a british hat <laughs> um i mean yeah that's the thing sometimes like editors or writers are like well it's a solo title so i've got to get rid of everyone who's around him or that he knows and you're like, uh, no, actually, that's not very interesting at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, so yeah, I, I kind of like Ritter. At least he's interesting, right? So he's just, he's 
not really a mercenary per se, but he's willing to be just if there's something kind of fun, right? Or or for money, perhaps. Um, so he's got um, a little bit different motivation than Mark Hazard, who basically like doesn't know how to enjoy anything else, right? So that was kind of what we had in the beginning. It's like he'd, he'd take any job uh, within reason because, you know, that's what he loved to do, kind of go out there and do missions and stuff. Uh, which of right. course put him at odds with the police and his <laughs> extended family, but that was the conflict there. So, right. but yeah, yet again, no to be continued, no next time. Um, so I've got no idea where we're going with this. Uh, I, I guess that's suspense of a sort. I don't know. Yeah, I like it when they at least drop a name. You know, like next up. You know. The black dungeon or something you know and they're like "Ooh, i wonder what that is <laughs> like, they don't really tell you anything but yeah very much so i enjoy that those too whenever we get anything any hint of the future i mean i i can't imagine that they don't know that that's like their major promotional material almost yeah the thing that I'm most sad for is the loss of Mark Hazard's internal dialogue, which was pretty strong with Peter David as a writer. Like so we were kind of in his head then, um, which we don't really get anymore. Yeah, good point. He's a little more um, uh, opaque to us, um, and narration boxes aren't very. Um, talkative either so yeah no we could we could it, would it kill him to have put in like a you know steaming jungle and biting insects you know or nothing compared to the rage that he feels in his heart or something you know it's like <laughs> give, me, give me some of that weird you know over the top narration stuff yeah i mean i like the 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 art Valmeric's um, facial expressions are, are great and distinct. Um, but yeah, Mark Hazard really doesn't, you know, have a lot a, a big range of them that he displays. So yeah, you're kind of hmm? <laughs> front facing grimace, left facing grimace. Exactly. Front facing grimace again. <laughs> What's going on inside your heart, Mark? Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Just thinking about a sandwich that he needs right then. I don't know. <laughs> it's not McGarnagle. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So another issue of Mark Hazard Merck. It's, you know, some kind of cross between Rambo and like an episode of G.I. Joe. That's what this one felt like. Uh, for me, that's an improvement, I guess. Yeah, I'd say so too. In my head, B minus. That's about where I went. Came out. Yeah, I yeah. thought the uh, it's still a little on the low side of uh, of enjoyability, but it's um, yeah, the art is 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 definitely back up to professional quality. Um, the writing is still like rougher than what we started with. But it's not like, like yeah, like a high school student's story. Um, yeah, 
yeah, there's nothing glaringly wrong with it. It's just kind of like, you know, disappointment of liking the previous work a bit more. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just kind of bland. Yeah. I think so. it's lost some of that new universe kind of real realism too. Like, you know, the whole, like it's, it's very much more eighties action movie than like eighties reality. If you're just like blowing a hole in the wall, storming the gates, nobody dies on your team, you know, just the That's enemy true. combatants are sort of nameless goons that just get wasted all the end. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So it doesn't feel very new university at that rate. But. Well, that's the yeah. Let's see. It's for kill count. I guess I if I included Esteban, that's five. Yeah, I had four. So there's a couple of things where it's like he and Doc are both shooting, and I just sort of divided the people he was shooting at in half. Yeah, that's the exact same thing I did. <laughs> He's got the one on the left. She's got the one on the right. I think I counted 28 total, but it's really hard because a lot of like there's a lot of people like burnt up in explosions and stuff. Hmm. So I don't know. Um, oh, there's also the mysterious agent who gave him the mission. I don't if that guy keeps coming back as his like um I uh, who was it? Like in the first season, the X Files, they had like Deep Throat or something. They were oh right. Like, He's like a but, spooking guy or something. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there was there was like a different one each season. Like the one would get killed at the end of one season, and they, like his friend would take up the next season or something. Right. All right, you got my buddy killed, but I'm going to tell you all the things you need to know now. Yeah, I wish I had faith that we would see any of these characters again, but I don't know. <laughs> Time will tell. Time will tell. One month will tell, I guess. Yeah, Facebook fans don't don't post a bunch of pictures from later uh, things. So, yeah, here's Sergeant Major when he becomes the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to uh, not to look too hard at those covers that I haven't read yet. <laughs> this is Psy Force number thirty. What the heck is going on there? <laughs> Alrighty, Psy Force in outer space. <laughs> uh, shall we take a break and uh, come back? Yeah, let's take a break and then uh, have some football action. Awesome. Inc. number seven. Uh, Kickers Inc. seven has a interesting cover of Jack Magnaconti wrestling a white lion. Uh, rest of uh, Kickers Inc. is standing around the background looking shocked and you can kind of see an, like an audience at a circus behind them. Um, the uh, art's well done. Credit for it though. No, so they made Darlene a blonde by accident. Oops, you're right. 
Yeah, the also the Kickers Inc. logo um, is white and the new universe logo above it is yellow. I didn't realize until uh, looking at sort of the gallery of the covers, but the, the Kickers Inc. logo changes like white to yellow to, like, it was yellow last month, I think. So it's another thing that they can play around with when they want to make it stand out a little bit more. Right. Um, Just don't read any deeper meanings into it. White logo, yellow logo. It's all the same, man. Um, the splash page inside has our title, Clown Time is Over, which I quite enjoy. We worked that into conversation. Yeah, man, I'm always saying that. There's a, a let's say, a, a street person? Um, anyway, guy crazy, running. Crazy running, hobo. <laughs> crazy hobo. That's about the best term. Running towards the uh, viewer um, saying, help, help, monster, murder, holy mama. <laughs> Behind him, there's a rather uh, ominous sort of Catwoman looking shadow that's growling. So there does seem to be something actually chasing it. Um, it's uh, script is Terry Cavanaugh and Ron Altaville, who I think did last month's uh, pencils, Rod Wiggum, inks, Tony DeZuniga. And this uh, interesting intro continues on the second page. Yeah. Um, this this crazy hobo uh, chase, chases down a couple of uh, patrolmen in a police car outside a all-night diner. And, oh, please stop. Hurry, lizard monster is coming. And the cops are getting out of the car. And one of them's, huh? And the other one, a little more seasoned pro, I guess, is, oh, it's just Hobie, local nutcase. Hmm. Hobie's continues. You gotta do something. The fat lizard killed the big woman at the hairy top. Having those visions again, eh, Obi? Uh, listen, pal. Just go back to keeping warm. Maybe you'll feel better in the morning. Sends him on his way. Policemen are not that helpful. Uh, is it going to do anything? I'm going to call the president. Uh, got two bits. Uh, cop laughs and flips him a quarter. What's the White House number again? Uh, I know Ronnie will help. He knows the truth when he hears it. See, Ron, Ron Reagan brought uh, hope to America. <laughs> back then. One crazy hobo at a time. So he's looking around the phone booth, booth as he's trying to remember the number and he sees a sign for Kickers, Inc. Kickers, Inc. Need help? And then a number. That's the ticket. They got to help a loyal football fan like me. Hello, Clickers. <laughs> Notably, now we have four numbers of the Kickers hotline, so we can almost call it. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing it was an 800 number. 
<laughs> just like yeah, an we, ambulance chasing lawyer. <laughs> we uh, we were lucky enough to get the Kickers Inc. website, but maybe push, getting their phone number would be pushing our luck a little too much. Mm. Dare to dream, man. Uh, keep Trust working. in yourself and you can achieve anything, that kind of thing. <laughs> I will recreate the Kickers Inc. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the whole business. So we sm- we cut over to uh, the Smashers locker room, and it's January 4th, the quarterfinal game halftime. Don't worry, and- they're all dressed. <laughs> They're um, so they're already well into the uh, season, uh, is what I'm kind of surprised by. We had maybe an issue or two of of uh, gameplay, um, so it's all kind of gone by quickly. But um, January is the you know time outside your window, so it's it's probably synced up with the other books by now. Um, so in the locker room, there's more sort of shenanigans and uh, back and forth with Dasher and Suicide. Um, and uh, Suicide saying that um, they're in a tied game against LA, a tough team. And uh, I don't know, they're all just, uh, oh, the other guy, Collins, another player, is uh, surprised they're all talking about Kickers Inc. stuff. Um, let's see, there's, a Brick is suggesting that, uh, to Jack, that maybe he goes on a diet to help him maintain control better. And, uh, Jack, of course, denies knowing anything about having an edge that would be cheating. And he, uh, doesn't know anything about it. He elbows a water bottle, one of those dispensers and, uh, it goes flying and suicide catches it in a sort of grandstanding thing. Um, Rick or Dash is saying, I'm no longer sure that Jack's edge is a boon to us on or off the field. 89, What's... that's Dasher. Oh, okay. You're good. What's that supposed to mean? Boof! <laughs> Coach Kirby had just lobbed a football right at uh, Jack Magnaconti and he completely. Missed it. Wake up, Magnaconi. Get on the ball. Or you'll be watching the second half of the bench. Good reflexes, Baker. He tosses it over to uh, the other uh, backup quarterback. Thanks, Coach Kirby. Snatches it right out of the air. Of course, he was like alerted to the presence of Crazy Coach. So Magnaconi is like, oh, that's all I need is another backup quarterback. Uh, so, I wonder if they're kind of setting him up here to be kind of like a little losing control, right? It's like he's knocking over the water thing and he can't catch the football, kind of like he's a little mixed up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that's a, probably a good uh, uh, laying a little uh, foreshadowing on us here, yeah. So we go back to the game. It's now gone a little further. New York is up by one, 21 over to 20. Um, there's not much time. A couple minutes left in the game, and they're down. And Mr. Magnificent uh, snaps, steps back. Um, fake pass. Uh, there's a handoff. And he hand, oop, the handoff is too hard. Basically, he hands it to Collins. 
And Cullen just goes down like a rag doll. Fumble, and uh, LA recovers. Oh, this is the break the runners needed. Now, I would I didn't know until we were going over the uh, Kickers Inc. playbook that you were working on, but uh, <laughs> I didn't see the runners in there the first three or four times I read this comic. And so was, yeah, there's there's two two Collinses. <laughs> Right. There's, there's Collins, the lineman who works next to Brick, and then there's Collins, the guy who is running the ball. What? Yeah. Because Collins, uh, they're talking to in the uh, in the locker room is 61, and we see him on the field yeah, a couple of times with that number, even with the Collins name. And then the handoff to Collins is perhaps his brother or just another dude named Collins. Hmm. Which I think he would be like suicide's backup. Oh, okay. <sighs> In case you wanted to know all the little details of the New York Smashers players, <laughs> I think our fans want to know. So yeah, we'll we're happy to do that uh, work for you. Um, yeah, I was I was annoyed the first couple of times thinking they they kept talking about the LA team and LA will have to do this and never naming the team. I was going to just go nuts, but, but it's fine. No, it's Los runner. Angeles runners. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so coach Kirby, of course, isn't too happy. What is with you, Magna Connie? That's the third end up you've muffed in the last two weeks. Straighten it out quick. Or you'd be watching back Baker play in your spot. <laughs> Everyone's like, oof. Um, so then there's a play, and um, they are handoff the ball and crushing tackle by two more players. And the Smashers' defense has risen to the occasion, stopped the touchdown, and the field goal, but the field goal goes in. <sighs> Some reason they they keep uh, every time they uh, uh, go to a new scene in the um, when there's a game they have like one sports magazine commercial later, one you know beer commercial later. They keep uh, referring to whatever's going on on the TV. Um, I think I read that the writers were not really super familiar with football, like and they weren't like football fans. <laughs> So like maybe that's kind of what they think of with football is like the you know, the beer commercials and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, pause for a second. Yeah. So there's a another play. Um, Smite suicide receives the ball. Uh, great block by brick wall. Tackled. Um, and uh, nice uh, pass from uh, Jack McIntyre to Dasher Corbin. Um, timeout. They're getting close. Jack goes back and talks to the coach. And uh, whatever he proposes, coach isn't having it. That's exactly what they'll be looking for, McIntyre. I want the whole thing. Run the LA whammy. Just do it, Jack. Okay. One. <laughs> Goes back to the huddle and they're like, LA whammy on two. What? Coach says it. Let's do it. Okay. So 
Magnet, Mr. Magnificent hands it off to Smythe, who hands around the light, and uh, then Smythe stops and throws it back to Magniconti at the 15. And there's only one man between Mr. Magnificent and Victory. Could it be? Could it be? Yes, the Smashers win. Kill, kill count one for Magniconti, maybe, <laughs> as he runs over the poor guy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to like try stiff arming uh, Jack Magnacani with that. So, so the LA Whammy is actually kind of a famous play fairly recently. I think um, the the name changes depending on the, the era or whatever. Um, but kind of famously in the 2018 Super Bowl, it was the Eagles beat the Patriots, and uh, the Eagles ran that play. You know, so. You know, they hand it off to the running back, and then the running back throws the ball back to the quarterback. Unusual because the running back's usually not any good at throwing, and the quarterback's not usually that athletic. Um, I think it actually works better when it's not somebody super athletic, so you're not expecting them to do anything. Um, mm-hmm. But the Eagles did it successfully and scored a touchdown. And then later, the Patriots tried the same thing, like the same setup. Um, but like Tom Brady missed the catch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. And so like that would have been huge if they ran the same thing and like got back into the game, but they didn't. So <laughs> yeah. it was kind of funny. Uh, so, I mean, it's I think uh, LA gained a magic one point somewhere on page six. They went from 22 to 23. <laughs> oh. uh. But yeah, it was, it, was, it was actually kind of funny to see. Also, I like that the coach called the play. And they're like, oh, God, what is he thinking? But then it ends up working. So, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, as, we, as I've said before, um, Andy's the uh, <laughs> go-to for any uh, kicker's ink. Uh, Even like recovery. the guy with the ball gives it to the other guy who sometimes gets the ball. <laughs> Look, I don't know why they didn't use baseball for the, uh, you know, it's all American too. <laughs> I would totally be like able to at least follow the plays, but anyway. So it's back to the locker room. Um, suicide is uh, hamming it up to, uh, I guess, journalists. And uh, he's like, hey, Dash, wait up. Let's party tonight. And Dasher's like, oh, I got to go talk to my agent. Bye. And he goes around and uh, no one else wants to go out for a good time with him. Uh, Brick Wall is like, eh, I'm heading straight for bed. And, uh, and uh, Jack says he's, uh, Darlene's working late. So uh, I guess I'll just go read a book or something. Exciting <laughs> life of a pro football player. Well, Suicide's a young guy who's uh, still uh, knows how to live. So he's like, I'm going to paint the town to, despite you spoil sports. Look out, world. Later that evening, he goes to Kickers Inc. headquarters. <laughs> Guess he ran out of nightclubs. Oh, my gosh. He's in the, uh, the Kickers Inc. jumpsuit. Uh, and he comes to uh, Darlene Dahl's office. Hey, doll, how about you and, uh, oh, I didn't know this. Oh, this is my new secretary, Iris Blue. 
Iris, this is Suicide Smythe. And don't call me doll, Suicide. Um, Iris Blue is this, like, is one of these, you know, um, supposed to be unattractive, but then she takes her glasses off and lets her hair down, and she's a supermodel types. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that they put that move in here. <laughs> so, yeah, she uh, she's she does that and is like, hey, tell me more. i uh, surprised you're bored, Mr. Smythe. Like, uh, why don't we go out for a drink? And uh, she says that there's uh, a call that's been coming out. You could check for us from the circus in New Jersey. And he's like, um, okay, but uh, I'll be back around midnight for our drink. And uh, Darlene's kind of amused. Um, thinks, uh, you know, she kind of uh, got, got him out of her hair. So... Um, over soon at the circus, uh, Smythe is nosing around and he comes across Hobie. You're one of them clickers. What? About time you showed their spooks killing people around here and stuffing them in boxes. Calm down, man. Calm down. So while well, the guy's ranting and raving, suicide, uh, prize open a, um, like a wooden box with a uh, crowbar. And yeah, actually, a, a body tumbles out. It's a um, sort of a circus outfit on a woman, maybe. Hobie goes yeah. running away. And then we say, it says, after a quick phone call to the New Jersey police, uh, suicide's still staying around, and he sees a woman over here. And he, he, he's heading over there, but you don't see that is that on the other side, it's a guy with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's actually a pretty cool scene set up there. Yeah, it's uh, the... Uh, um, it's like one half green dress, blonde hair, like, you know, fishnet stockings and high heels. And then the other half is like business suit, mustache, right? It, it looks like Ritter almost from right, uh, right. Merck. And he's got a baseball bat in his hand. Yeah. Danger Oops. at the circus. One hour later, um, there, there's a policeman there and there, he's talking to uh, the ringmaster and he's describing the various people there. Nip and Tuck, the trapeze twins, She-Man, Idjit, I guess the, the little person, Senior Leon, and myself. And everyone else has gone already to their next appointment in uh, Iowa, it says. Oh, and there's this like tiger woman there. But he doesn't. Alina. Alina. Um, and there, he's just saying something about, yeah, we'll, we'll be, we're packing up to leave. And the cop is like, and none of you know anything about a body around here? Nope. Well, enough of these weirdos. Um, the, I mean, that's an interesting way of, of you know trying to solve crime is go to the uh, people. <laughs> you don't know anything about any bodies or any crimes, do you? No, we don't actually. Have you, have you guys murdered anyone lately that I should know about? <laughs> Now's your time to tell me. So Officer Ebsen is not uh, able to put a case together and he can't find suicide. So he calls the kickers Inc headquarters where Darlene is like, um, no, I don't know where he is. Um, I'll let him contact you though. 
she then sends out a, the alarm time to call in the troops and so we have a nice little montage of each of the kickers you know with like a red alarm box squealing and all of them huh what is this the so first they, appearance of the uh the kickers alarm thingy i don't remember that from anything else i don't remember it from before now so maybe that's the uh, strive to be more realistic they're like they got to have some sort of alarm system right the kickers you know <laughs> Uh, kickers call i don't know like you shine a kicker's light in the sky and what would that look like i don't know a k maybe (laughs) two or three k's just to make it more obvious i don't know that shouldn't worry anyone (laughs) the last one though is suicide's alarm going off and you can see that he's tied up and gagged and uh maybe the ringmaster is smashing his alarm Soon we have a uh, the ring. No, we have some of the other members uh, looking at a map of the Museum of Modern Art or blueprint, talking about how they're going to uh, break in and steal some art later. Apparently, so the twins climb up the whip, and She-Man distracts the outside guard. She-Man's pretty attractive. On the, I guess, will attract anyone. So. That's great. Um, then once we will rejoin the rest of the circus and uh, fence this stuff in the Midwest. Sound good? Everyone's on board. Okay. So the strangest one is Senior Leon, who whose accent seems to change from from balloon to balloon. Um, <laughs> I mean, his thing's Senior Leon, so you think it's a Spanish accent, but now he's like. There's like an Irish balloon. Sure, and tis a fair amount of kitty litter I'll be getting a sea. Wait a minute. He's talking the the albino lion that's part of the circus. Um, and then he goes German later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he's so she man is, is like, um, can your uh, lion eat uh, again so soon after today tonight's heavy meal? It's like no, and. Uh, then he says that um, the boss will notice that there's two missing members, um, Matilda, the, the dead woman, and her killer, Felina, the tiger woman. I had to kill her. Kill you too. Yeah. Um, yeah. At this point, Senior Leon is saying, and it's her fault. Want a bumbling ringleader hooks up. With... What? <laughs> what? I, I kind of like it. Maybe that's his thing. You know, he's, uh, he's like a whole EU in one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Idget is like, I'll calm down, you guys. I got a plan. Um, meanwhile, outside, um, the kickers are starting to arrive, and Jack and Darlene have found Hobie, and they're a little confused by him. But um, Darlene's able to decode it in my mouth that, uh, that, uh, that if, if the kickers knew what we knew, it would be that Hobie is right about everything all of the time. So he's like, <laughs> he's, he's totally on the ball. I mean, he hasn't steered us yet wrong yet. So. He's more effective than the New Jersey police force. Well, you know, it is the world outside our windows. So they did want to be as realistic as possible. <laughs> Ouch. 
Ooh. Um, so check the, the readership map or the, the podcast map and see if you <laughs> see people. Well, you know, for some reason, the fraternal order of uh, policemen and the uh, just outside of Philadelphia, they were our biggest fans. Were. It worked. <laughs> Um, no, Hobie is scared off by a brick wall. Who's you know a big guy? Yee, a giant. He runs off, and the the rest of the kickers decide to investigate the circus on their own. They peek inside and they see suicides there. But Idjit is uh, got a plan to inject the lion with something that'll agitate him enough to eat uh, suicide. Yikes. So the kickers break in um, in uniform and they're like, they've got a formation. So I love the formation. <laughs> get the keys, you know, we're coming suicide, stay inside the wedge. And um, you, you see the circus members starting to attack. One has the whip, the tra- trapeze artists are swinging down from above. Um, so there's a bit of a rough and tumble uh, then. And they, they notice that the midget has the keys. So they're like, we have to get through everyone else. Midget, to get midget has the key. <laughs> Whatever you happens, don't let the midget get away. He's got the keys. Okay. <laughs> so everyone is like, I think uh, She-Man has knives, sort of like a juggler. Um, oh, and now Senior Leon is French. No, this cannot be happening. Who are you, people? Okay, you're right. It that's way. It's got to be a gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Darlene has Idjit for a second there, and uh, then everyone else is running around. Um, suicide is getting pretty panicky this lion is looking pretty hungry he's got the hungry serum in him so yeah (laughs) so the uh kickers run the la whammy themselves (laughs) over over them one of the others and uh once they get there though he throws the keys inside the cage so he thinks none of them can get in to stop them from killing suicide not reckoning with Jack's edge, Jack just sort of bends the bars and jumps into the cage and pushes the lion off. Um, I do like that previous to that, uh, you know, <laughs> when they Dasher tossed the, the midget to uh, Jack, he was kind of like just like carrying him in his hand like a baby and like knocking the other guys out of the way with the other hand. So it paints a funny picture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good sort of. I think this is kind of what maybe we'd expected, which is like them doing sort of football-based um, combat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in issue episode, yeah, issue two, they broke out like you know machine guns and stuff. So yeah, this is, a I mean, this more, is more fun. I don't know. It is a little more fun. <laughs> And Darlene is is you know able to get involved. It's cool. Um, but let's see. Jack is pulling on the chain to uh, let uh, suicide loose. The lion is uh, crouching and getting ready to jump. 
and he does and Jack catches him and breaks his neck. Whoops. Oh my god. Oh, uh, Jack, that's a, you know, unique uh, species. Uh, perhaps one of the rarest animals on, on the earth. Just broke its neck. Huh? Hey, is, is it Jack's fault or is it the guy who gave him like the angry eating people serum? Okay, admittedly it's most the serum fault. Did you want him to just let the lion eat suicide? I'm telling you, there's only one white mane. Suicide smiths are a dime a dozen. <laughs> okay. Hey, suicide is unique too. He changes color. <laughs> <sighs> so, let's see. According to the narration box, we're a week later, January 11th. And at uh, Jack and Darlene's home in Long Island, um, he's still uh, got a cloud over him, I guess. Finish your breakfast, Jack. You got a big day ahead of you. Um, I think that lion's death is still bothering you. And here's the funniest thing for me. The, we now get a like thought balloon from her. I'm as worried about Jack's lack of control as he is. But he'll still need all the support he can get, at least to the end of the season. Um, yeah, so yeah. she's kind of freaking out on the inside. Yeah, she's just constantly like, uh, he's going to bust loose any second and kill us all. Anyway, I'm so here to support you, Jack. Okay, good. So there's a newspaper headlines. What is Mr. Magnificent's secret? So some. Some more, you know, clues have been sort of noticed by the public at large, although we don't see anything from those investigators who were at the end of last month's issue, Templar and Gray or whatever their names were. Yeah, I wasn't sure like what the newspaper was referring to, but like a closer look, it's the sports page. So it must be like, you know, people wondering about his performance on the field rather than the, the hijacking. Yeah, I think maybe. Okay. Has he got another LA whammy play up his sleeve? I don't know. What's his secret? <laughs> um, so but Jack is saying something about everyone now. Everyone knows Jack as Jack Magna Conti has exhibited incredible superhuman efforts, blah blah blah. Anyway. Darlene's like, let's go get you back out on the smashers. Okay. So he goes, um, works out to exhaust himself. So he's back down to a human level. And later in the smashers uh, locker room, Coach Kirby's showing them another play. Um, it's the LA whammy again. Okay. <laughs> it's the only play that Coach Kirby knows, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, interesting. So he, he um, goes, he's going through it, and uh, Smythe uh, like smarts off to him, and he throws the eraser, chalkboard eraser, at uh, Smythe's head. Knock it off, Smythe. Um, everyone laughs. So he says, listen, you thugs, we win today, and we go all the way to the Super Bowl. We lose, and the whole year's been nothing but a joke. Now go get him! And his 
hearts, his eyes are consumed by the darkness within him. Mm. But, uh, I didn't do a funny voice for it. Coach Kirby, your your winning is all you care about. Yeah. Anyway, it's oh, <clears throat> I guess we got to reboot. Sure. So on the field, the announcers are saying the Chicago Comets uh, are playing the New York Smashers for the East Coast Conference Championship. The winner today will face the Austin Wreckers at the Super Bowl in Pasadena. Oh, it's the Austin Wreckers again. <laughs> so that was the team with the guy who uh, uh, injured Hawkins, right? Yeah, crazy Mac something or well, I think that guy quit whatever. football <laughs> yeah is he quit I guess we'll see if uh, he shows up in next time but so yeah one aerobics commercial later and the smashers and the comets <clears throat> are in their first play and then there's a interception um, Dasher misses something and this guy Dexter Stanton um, grabs it and is going down the field and leaving just Mr. Magnificent to stop him. Magna Conti stiff arm Stanton out of the way. Ouch! Ooh, Magna Conti kill count two. Crushed sternum. <laughs> uh, Dexter's tackled at the seven by Magna Conti, but it really looks like he's really hurt. Stanton! What did I do? Medic. <laughs> it's starting to be like Mark Hazard, man. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, we know it was a clean play and everyone trusts uh, Mr. Magnificent's integrity. Otherwise, it would almost remind you of ugly Mac Thornton's late hit on Magna County's fellow smasher Hawkins earlier in the season. Oof. That hit cost a man his career. Well, if you call one guy magnificent and the other guy ugly, this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, man. <laughs> sure, they both kill people, but, you know, one of them feels bad afterwards, sort of. <clears throat> I'm beginning to scare myself, Rick, says Jack. You're scaring me too, Magna Conti. You're a pro. Get yourself into the game. I'm serious, man. Okay, so... um. <laughs> that was Coach Kirby, not Brick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So he, Coach Kirby, sends him back out, and uh, a little later, he's like, "All right, run the special." So, can Magna Conti hands off to Smythe. Smythe is running. No, it's a fake. Mister <laughs> Magnificent hiding the ball is running right, and then he goes out and does a quick throw left to Dasher Corbin 20 yards downfield Corbin fakes out of the defender he's caught it and uh, then they they go downfield Corbin at the 30-25 tackled at the no it's a lateral to Smythe Smythe's at the 15-10 and touchdown smashers what a flea kicker of a play Score is tied up, and the Smashers regain the momentum. Woohoo! <laughs> wow! Actually, it looks like that was the play drawn up on the board. I depend on you to do this. Okay. 
I could be totally lying to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I will take your word for it. Uh, at first glance, it did kind of look like nonsense, but yeah, like. I, mean, I really liked when he pat, when he did the fake handoff to suicide and he was like running and giggling like I tricked you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was totally not like a football player y kind of thing, but like super fun. This made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I like to think they're having a good time. I don't know. It's a um you know. So yeah, it's 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 an even more <laughs> convoluted play than the LA whammy, I guess, but somehow it worked. And we end up with a final score, New York 35, Chicago 10. The New York Smashes are going to the Super Bowl in Pasadena. And all the teams on the field singing, <coughs> except of course for Jack Magnaconti. One game away from being world champs. And I feel like I don't know what I feel like. <laughs> so he calls the hospital. All I can tell you, sir, is that Mr. Stanton has a severe neck injury that could re- require surgery. And Jack finishes the sentence and will probably cost him his career. And he just leaves the phone hanging there. And the person on the other end is like, well, it's far too soon to tell that, sir. <laughs> oh. He's just sort of jumping to conclusions at this point. But he's... Uh, it's a little over to to the uh, the memory of ugly Mac Thornton is filling his head, I guess. So, next thing we know, he is at the football commissioner's office at, um, and the secretary is telling him, "Sorry, Mr. Morrell Morell is at the football game. He won't be here until tomorrow." And uh, who's calling? Um, he says he'll be there at eight thirty. I'm Jack Magnaconti. To be continued. Man, he's got a serious look on his face, some shadowing, a sensitive guy he, scarf on. He doesn't have the uh, kicker's ink uniform. No. What is he going to do? <laughs> Quit football right think- before the Super Bowl? But I guess he already won. I mean, he won the championship last year. So, yeah, he's, I mean, he doesn't have anything to prove. Um. Yeah, he's he's. Yeah, as to say, it does make a good case that he's getting more and more out of control as it goes along, and um, I guess you don't really think of you know being invulnerable as as like being a problem, but it's like people who don't have a sense of pain that are constantly worried about you know accidentally burning themselves and not noticing it or something right yeah so the longer and you know he's he's he doesn't feel things and he's too strong for the things around him like the more out of touch he's becoming i don't know because at first you thought his superpowers were pretty much what you'd want you know a little bit of invulnerability a little bit of extra strength just be whatever you are, but like 50% more. So I don't know. It's- yeah, he's almost got like a touch of the, you know, there's been characters in comics where like, um, like they have to keep their powers under control all the time. Like, you know, if, if I 
if I have a lapse or if I'm not focused, then I could lose power and like, you know, explode or something, you know, like mm. the, the, that sort of power set. But he's, he's almost kind of got that problem going on of, yeah, he can wear himself out, but like in the heat of the game, you know, you're excited, you're trying to score, and, but you're also trying to hold back and like, you know, it'd be super easy to just kind of forget. Yeah, he's really trying to thread a needle with this. Um, I'm going to make myself too tired to be super, but good, still good enough to win a game. I mean, yikes. Yeah, and we saw that last issue too, like when he would lose focus just in regular life, he was like breaking glasses and like, you know, he couldn't change the tire on the car because he was just literally too strong to do it. <laughs> yeah, wow. When he was just wrecking and bending steel and causing problems. So, yeah, it's definitely tur- turned a little bit on him, whether it's something has actually changed with his powers, like they're getting stronger, um, or he's just kind of, you know, going through a, like a mental rough patch. So then that's extending to causing problems with his powers, which is kind of how I see it. But yeah, I, I mean, Either way could be a good direction to go. It's just that the uh, trying to continue his his career in football is really not uh, working out with this power set. So yeah, hmm, interesting. It's a little. Uh, I think the the overall story is pretty good in terms of balancing the football action with this sort of I think what they, they sort of uh, imagine to be a, like a fun crime you know yeah I mean what's more fun than like circus criminals <laughs> exactly um, it's visually interesting and all that. these clowns keep coming out of this tiny car just keep punching them there's got to be an end to it oh man yeah, the, um, the so you've got sort of a nice uh, little mystery bookended by football games. Um, as I say, interesting that the season is sort of wrapping up so quickly, relatively. I guess it's really- just the nature of like the time jumps, right? If we're if we're roughly going month to month, right? A month is going to be three or four football games. So. Yeah. Hmm. So. Because the, the, um, the NFL season at least goes by pretty fast. It's like September to January, and that's it. So, okay. Well, I guess I'm getting old. The time goes by like so 450 quickly. games. Yeah. The um, I don't know. Thanks for pointing out the uh, actual historical precedence of some of those plays. I was I wrote that down as like Harlem Globetrotter plays. <laughs> Rube Goldberg devices of, of football to me, but you know, if it works, yeah. it works. Yeah. The, the lateral play is probably more rare um, because that, that's, you know, even more risky perhaps, but uh, like the bills players do it, do it in the last couple of years, I've seen them like one guy catches it and runs and kind of shovels it over to the next guy to try and keep going kind of thing. So yeah, it was, it's uh that kind of stuff definitely goes on so hmm 
the, it's funny that it was like it was Coach Kirby's like go to. It was like his whole game plan for this game was like, I, okay, I have one play. <laughs> we just pull it out at the right time. We got this. Yeah. And the rest uh, of it, just I don't know, run the ball. <laughs> uh, do whatever, Magnacani. Do whatever. There's no whammy. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, like potentially, I mean, Magna Conti, as the quarterback, he's kind of in this, like one of the better places he could be because he's not coming into physical contact with other players that much, right? And if he does, it's going to be more defensive, right? So he doesn't have to worry about like, you know, breaking someone's leg when he tackles them kind of thing because he's not usually going to do that. But in the, in the play where they make him the runner, you know, like they throw the pass to him. Like, I mean, he's, he's the juggernaut at that point on the football field, right? Like nobody could stop him uh, unless he lets them or pretends. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that was a good, a smart play for coach Kirby that time. Was, uh, coach Kirby was just doing it to prove that Jack is uh, invulnerable. You see Magna County, no human could do that play. <laughs> you fell into my trap. <laughs> I think Coach Kirby, it's a balance of whether or not like his hatred of Magna Conti uh, is stronger than his want to win, right? Like, you know, like Baker was stinking it up last game. And even though he's his guy, you know, he, he puts in Jack when, when he finally makes it there to the stadium because, you know, he'd rather win than you know, then kick out Magna Conti. So at this point still, you know, <laughs> his, his wanting to win the game is, is, is taking precedent. But uh, if Jack does go to the commissioner and quit, which is what it kind of looks like, you know, Kirby's either going to be happy or have a n- nuclear meltdown <laughs> because his star player is gone. Right. Right. Who knows? Tune in next time. I don't know. Where do we go next with you, Coach Kirby? I don't know. I'm guessing he's going to yell and thing. throw things. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I guess you went first. I will give this... Uh, I was going to say B, but I've had a pretty good time uh, like rehashing it. So I'll, I'll bump it up to B+. Plus. Hmm. I'm between A or A-. minus. I really like this one. Okay. Yeah. So I'll I'll give it the A minus. Like there's, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like so, we got Jack's struggle with his powers, suicide, wacky hobo, you know, nip and tuck and she man. I mean, like a little bit of everything. I thought it was a lot of fun. I want to encourage animal abuse. That's why I'm definitely grading it. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, just- yeah, I actually didn't even pick up on the, the guy who <laughs> spoke in different accents every line. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, just those are the good kind of comics, though, right? Like where they add in extra details. Um, you know, the panel where, or the page where the girl in the kicker's office, like, lets down her hair and takes off her glasses and totally woos. A suicide to get rid of them on some like B mission that they never would have taken up in the first place. It's like, it's like just a nice little touch, you know? Yeah. I'm There's kind of hoping of we see more of Iris blue. I don't know whether <laughs> she's like a 
just an extra or uh, undercover uh, double agent or something. Either way it works. You know? Her name is basically Blue Eyes <laughs> and she has blue eyes. So yeah, she like I was half expecting her to be like a circus goon in uh, in hiding or something, you know. Mm, yeah. Like if that's if she man is really a woman and she just kind of mans the other half of her with you know makeup or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> or she just always is like facing you from the left in these panels, and you're like, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. See, I would guess we're not going to see the circus criminals again, but it would be awesome if we did. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, they're they're a little more colorful even than the fist, but um, we'd like yeah. If they came back for a second round, it would probably be fun time. Yeah, Um, if we had a final issue where like you know the 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 angry player, the ugly Thornton from the Wreckers, and you know the fist with their robot and the circus criminals and the chemist and his college student cult like all <laughs> teamed up against the kickers and one final super showdown that'd be something oh man maybe a little cartoonish <laughs> yeah that's the ballet right <laughs> i don't know i don't know they're driving the little car yeah I forget. Well, let's see. Let's uh, call it a day for this week's episode. Next time. um, Yeah, so next time we have justice number seven. Justice versus his father? (laughs) Why didn't they... People who write these, like, aren't reading the book, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's just the regular villain that they call dad that isn't anyone's dad. Why would they be confused? Where's the point of confusion? You tell me. I don't understand your problem with this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Justice versus His Father, The Deadly Conclusion, written by Steve Englehart and penciled by Jeff Isherwood. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um there's also DP7 number seven. The DP7 group finds itself dangerously divided. One group wants to tackle their enemy, Scuzz. The other wants to attempt a kidnapping. And while they argue, the bounty goaded headhunters are closing in. Huh? Their enemy is Scuzz? Enemy? <laughs> Scuzz is your friend. What are you Maybe talking they will... about? The cheesy term frenemy might work well there. I'll take that. Um, so they, they're also talking about the headhunters. And I, I wasn't any closer to finding out what had happened to this sweatshop they mentioned the last month until I was going through this uh, same issue of Marvel Age. And I found the blurb for Captain America that month, 329. Dig this. Um, Captain America's investigation into to something used by the super patriot may spell Cap's doom. Plus, premiering the hardest working henchman ever, the sweatshop. <laughs> oh, wow, what? so they mixed up the solicitation. Maybe. Hey, Gruenwald, what's your book this month? Who's the bad guy in a sweatshop? <laughs> okay, sweatshop it is. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's a good catch. 
I, uh, I, you know, I got to go dig that up and see which one's a better group of villains. I don't know. Um, anyway, so that'll be next time. In the meantime, you can find us at kickersinc.com. You can email us directly at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Um, and hit us up with questions or comments. We'll uh, be happy to read them for you on the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you back at the spinner rack. See you next time.